Welcome to Mindfully Integrative Podcast with your host, Dr. Damaris G. Mindfully Integrative is a podcast discussing ways toward mindfully incorporating integrative health into our lives. This podcast will have informative resources, fun topics, interviews, and discussions relatable for today with a true mindful perspective in a mind-body holistic life approach. Hello. This is Dr. Damaris Maria Grossman, and thank you again for joining in on the Mindfully Integrative podcast. And I just wanted to let you know of our upcoming events and things. So if you want to know and reach out, our resources and our membership is opening soon. So check out mindfullyintegrative.com for more fun and more info. Thanks so much and talk with you soon. Hi, how are you? This is Dr. Damaris Maria Grossman. And today on the Mindfully Integrative Show, we have Jonathan McLernan. So he is a an amazing individual, a coach, and a he's done many things, nutritionist and father, new father. And I guess I would call it an integrative father instead of integrative mama. Um, but he has an array of things to discuss with you, to talk to you about your health and where he's come in his story and how long it ha- has been and what he's done to make his life and for him and his family. So thank you so much, Jonathan, for being on the show. Hey, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Of course. So let's dive in and kind of like check in and say, what was something that people don't know about you? Um, that I'd learned how to speak four other languages. Um, That's amazing. I wish <laughs> yeah. I knew. I only know two: Spanish and English. <laughs> yeah, I did. Um, now, don't don't ask me to converse in them anymore because it's. Um, mm. So I lived in Mexico for about six months, and so uh, I lived in Guadalajara, and that that allowed me to become fluent. I kind of had a bit of a background in Spanish because I had a bit of an interest in it because I wanted to travel to South America. And uh, I know Mexico is North America still, but uh, we never we never did actually make it to South America. But um, so I learned to speak it there because I was you just hear it every day, and I wasn't living in a tourist area. Uh, I was just living in like Centro Histórico, where it's it's all um, Spanish down there. And then I spent uh, three summers living in Italy, so I learned to speak Italian. I spent a year living in Poland, and so I learned to speak Polish as well. And um, being from Canada, we learned to speak French as well. Uh, not, not that we're bilingual, um, most people, but um, I also spent time living in Quebec City, so uh, learned the Quebecois French as well. Wow. You are currently in Canada right now? I am. So okay. just north of Montana for, for U.S. listeners. If you drive six Ooh, hours in a straight line, yes. oh, cool. <laughs> you'll hit my, right. my city called Red Deer. Red Deer. Oh, wow. Is it uh, getting cold there now? A, a little bit. We're still hitting, uh, well, in Celsius, like 22 degrees. So I don't know if that's like high 60s, early 70s kind of thing. Oh, so still kind of um, nice. But we live near the Rocky Mountains, and so weather can be really unpredictable. Um, you can get a hot wind off the mountains. We call it a Chinook, um, and that can raise temperatures like up to 20 degrees. Let's say if you're at freezing temperatures and all of a sudden you're at like, again, 20 degrees higher in terms of Celsius. Um, but the flip side is you can get a really cold wind blow off the mountains in the middle of the summer, and you might see flurries. They don't stick around, but you know we've had snow in August before just because a cold wind blast off the mountains. So it's kind of an interesting uh, place to be. That sounds cool. I mean, uh, I like the, I, it's so funny because I used to think I always want it warm, but I don't know. Now I don't mind a little nice cool. I don't, I don't love the snow, but I, I'm getting uh, more and more used to it. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a, a cold shower every day as well. So I, I guess call, I call it resilience training. So being willing to be uncomfortable, because I think if we want to grow and change that we have to be willing to be uncomfortable. And so that's just kind of my, my little resilience test every day. Oh, oh, that's part of your morning, your morning uh, ritual, morning uh, motivation. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I just, I, I, I just turn, turn it straight cold and just step in, I take a deep breath. Step in. Yeah. Um, might as well. Um, it's a good wake up. I don't require coffee. Um, and then, you know, it, it's, you, you kind of get used to it and, uh, a, a hot shower feels a bit weird now. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, wow. How interesting. And yeah, uh, you're kind of like raring up for the day. Yeah, basically, that's um, the idea. There, there has been some research, or actually, there is research that uh, the ice cold water will rev up your metabolism. Yeah, well, um, one one of the things that I like is that it can um, potentially activate brown fat, particularly in your back. So mm-hmm. adults still have some brown fat cells. We don't have a lot. Babies have a lot more of it, of course, because they can't really they shiver. Do. And so, um, yeah. The, so uh, a lot of the cold water is blasting my back. So, I mean, I really, I don't know how much it's going to rev up your metabolism. Maybe a little bit because it's got to warm you up again afterwards. You never know. Um, but you'd think you'd think like 10 minutes starts to feel long but you know after about two minutes in there you kind of just i just kind of get used to it the other part of it is i have a couple hip issues from a few motorcycle accidents and um so usually i'll have my cold shower right after i do a ride on my recumbent bike and uh so it kind of helps uh helps with recovery so it's kind of like hot cold kind of thing so yeah yeah. it it gets warmed up and mobilized in the morning um then i put some cold onto it and then step out into the warm room and yeah so there's there's a little method to the madness. Love it. No, that's really great. I mean, that's a nice therapeutic, uh, you know, contrast there. I yeah. I think that sounds, sounds super effective. So let's talk about, you know, your story and, you know, how we, how you're kind of in this integrative, traditional integrative path. And, you know, I know that you're um, a freedom coach and a nutritionist, but how exactly did you end up where you are now? You know, what exactly <laughs> kind of transitioned you to to this kind of path and well, tell us a little well, bit about that. Yeah. I'll, I'll give it to you in a coconut size nutshell. How about that? Okay. Yeah. I mean, so, we have a, you know, it's a little small show, but you know, like you can, you know, get dive into at least the parts that, you know, we can yeah, kind of so, dive in and then they can reach out to you more. Yeah. So, I mean, I was an, I was an athlete, um, in my, my twenties primarily played basketball, volleyball, um, rollerbladed everywhere, that kind of thing. My wife and I spent three years traveling around the world and partway through that time, um, I was attacked while living in South Africa and nearly beaten to death. And so that was, Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. That was a really traumatic experience to go through and, um, uh, nothing really prepares you for that. And so, um, as a result of that, um, the trauma, I started to eat a lot. Uh, so rather than turning to say drugs or alcohol to cope, I turned to food as my coping mechanism and I became a binge eating food addict. And, um, that's a really difficult pattern to break. And so I went and tried many, many different diets, uh, cause once I gained a lot of weight, gained over hundred pounds, um, it's a lot harder to lose it. And so I tried many, many different diets and, and ways of eating and so on. Um, but it wasn't really until, until I started to address the elephant in the room. And that was my relationship to myself and my relationship to food and my relationship to my body, um, that I began to see the, the permanent shifts starting to happen. Um, uh, when I struggled with weight loss, I, I started to become very angry at my body, very spiteful towards it um, because it wasn't doing what I wanted it to do. I remembered what it was like to be an athlete. And uh, so it really took another coach working with me on self-love and self-compassion um, to to sort of really effectively go down that, that healing journey that I needed to go down. That, that sounds like, yes, you're right. In a nutshell, there's definitely a lot there that you <laughs> there is, could yeah. probably uh, discuss with us um, because the there's a few elements in that, just in that conversation alone, trauma, then you're talking yeah. about your body image, and then you're talking yep. about how you're healing through that. 
So that in itself, you must have obviously figured out that there was not one pill or one therapist no. that could get you to where <laughs> you needed to be. No, a lot of help. Um, and, and to anyone who, who, who might be struggling, it's like, don't ever try to solve this yourself. Um, there's no, there's no medal for martyrs. I like to say, um, there's not a sign of weakness to get help. It's actually a sign of intelligence. Um, human beings are wired to learn and connect, um, from other human beings. And there's this real power in that rather than struggling alone in isolation. I think, no, I, I, I appreciate that you're saying that, um, you went and got help and that you're also saying that you, well, there, there was probably many elements that got you healthier, not just your therapy. I mean, you had to lose weight. Yeah. So you were physically working on yourself, mentally working on yourself. You're, you looked at a whole health perspective on it. Um, yeah. what got you to where you are now? Cause you work and, and talk to people about nutrition. You're also a coach. You're, you're mm -hmm. um, evolved into many different aspects of this. How can you go into that a little bit? Yeah. I like to say that nutrition is the cover story. So people okay. come to me and, um, they're, they're looking for help with weight loss usually. Um, but I say weight loss is also the symptom or sorry, carrying excess weight is usually the symptom. And, uh, so I meet people where they're at. They say they'd like to lose weight. Um, but ultimately if we start working together, we're going to look at other things. Um, because, um, a lot of people, again, because they're stressed and overwhelmed, we live in a very, like not physically stressful life at all. We can accomplish everything, um, almost everything from a push of a button on a smartphone. Um, but we live probably in a very emotionally and mentally distressing world because we uh, have access to being triggered um, hundreds of times a day, 24 hours a day um, with uh, digital media algorithms that push the most emotive content to the top um, designed to trigger us and to hold our attention. And so because of that, there's this really interesting paradox we find ourselves trapped in where we're really can be really quite emotionally distressed, but we're not physically stressed at all. And so that leads us to being very sedentary and we've created like the perfect world for, for creating stressed out overweight people. And so I really want to look at the whole human being rather than just, you know, you should eat more vegetables. And it's like, let's, let's consult, let, let's factor in a variety of different pieces to the puzzle to help you understand why you're where you're at. And it's not because you're a failed human being. It's because, and so I like to focus on what I call brain driven weight loss. It's like, let's understand the brain is the driver of behavior. Um, so we look at, you know, psychology, mindset, emotional health, mental health, um, our habits, and uh, sort of integrate all those pieces together to say, let's reverse engineer a healthier lifestyle for you. But by doing the work through uh, w with your brain as well, um, we're able to create results that stick because you, you ultimately, if you want to uh, maintain your health, you have to create a new way of living. You can't just temporarily change your habits and hope that it's going to create permanent results. I completely agree. <laughs> I also, um, I mean, I agree in the sense of like the pattern and the behavior um, and to change your, to change that pattern, people at your first, they have to identify they have a problem. So they're coming yeah. to you, but they may not even realize what their problem is. Mm -hmm. I mean, do you find that they come out with one thing and then realize there's so much more involved there? Yeah. Uh, that's why I say I meet people where they're at. They very often think I just want to lose weight. And if I lose weight, I'll be happy. And that's a big old myth. Um, yeah. that's not to say that look, weight loss, I, I like to say weight loss is a doorway. It's not a destination. Yeah. And the truth is like most people will benefit from losing some weight from lowering their body fat percentage. Um, that improves many biomarkers of health, but 
when we start to attach our sense of self-worth as a human being to a number on the scale, it becomes a really destructive path to go down. And so if we can understand that really it's not about a number on the scale, it's about creating a life that um, gives you the freedom to do what you want to do. I can tie my shoes. I can run up and down stairs. I can, you know, uh, the things that people don't seem to think about, like I was morbidly obese, uh, trying to wipe your bum. Like just everyday life was harder when I was a hundred pounds heavier. And I, no matter how much I tried to be the jolly fat guy, like inside, mm-hmm. I was like, this sucks carrying all this extra weight. That's the truth. Yeah. And, uh, but I had to learn to love myself instead of hate myself where I was presently at before I could really truly make the change. It had to, it sounds maybe counterintuitive, especially for men, but it had to come from this place of love versus trying to punish myself into submission. Mm-hmm. Have you found that your most of your clients are men? Do you work with a lot of men and women or just men? Um, mostly women, actually. Oh, mostly women. Uh, okay. And and I would I would put a couple things into that, like because I was puzzled by this as well in one sense. But uh, women are more likely to put up their hands and ask for help. Um, they're they seem to be a little bit more open to acknowledging that they have struggles. Women, um, yeah, we're always like, oh, wait, I need a minute. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where, yeah, whereas we in in masculine culture, like asking for help is very often seen as a sign of weakness or vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And you know that that'd be a whole other topic, really. But because I'm I'm very much an advocate for what I call positive masculinity and, and healthy masculine behavior, um, because I I don't like I don't like the term toxic masculinity, though I know why it exists. Um, and so, oh my god, that'd be a whole other conversation. Yeah, I know. Talking about positive masculinity because I feel like. That's all, you know, giving hugs is okay. <laughs> oh man, I'm, I'm a hugger. Like yeah, I, I'm, you know, I'm just saying that is one aspect, but yeah, that, yeah, go on, yeah. go on. Well, and, and so, and I, I think of course about my, my son, I have a son who's six months old and, and, you know, I want him to grow up seeing a healthy model of masculinity. One where, you know, I love my wife, I respect her, I treat her, I, I, I shower him with affection. So he knows that affection, you know, male affection is healthy and normal. Um, and, but also, you know, um, like male strength is a good thing too. Sometimes we look at that like it's a problem, but it's like, no, no, male strength directed in the right way is, or masculine strength is a really good thing. It's a really, it can be right. a really beneficial thing, but it just needs to be channeled in the right direction. And I think we, we just, with men, we don't, we don't see, you know, we were given like Homer Simpson and Rambo kind of thing, right? Like <laughs> yeah. there wasn't as much of a, um, what's it called? The, the, their uh, images are, yeah, kind of like the nuance. There, there wasn't much nuance. It was like you were a fat beer drinking doofus who everybody loved because you were a lovable failure, or you're a hyper masculine like superhero. And there wasn't really a lot in between there. And it's mm-hmm. like most of us are going to occupy the space somewhere in between those two. Right. That makes that makes a lot of sense. I um, I mean, just in that alone, we can have that you know more in depth <laughs> conversation. Yeah. But I know that you have done so much for your clients in this nutritional aspect and their overall, I guess for females, we call it the body love imaging and, and, you know, better (laughs) imaging of of oneself. Um, How has that um, been for you with you and your clients and where has that grown for you? Like, what do you, um, if you like to share on a story and then where have you gone with that? Well, it's, uh, I say, if we really want to transform our health and our life and our body and so on, we need to understand where we're starting. And sometimes that's going to be an uncomfortable, in fact, almost all the time it's going to be an uncomfortable conversation to acknowledge where we're presently at. But so my goal as a coach is to create a compassionate space. So compassion is sometimes misunderstood because it's not really, I say it's not a get out of jail free card, but it's, it's a space where we can, we can bear our struggles in the light and we're not going to be judged for it. But 
And it's in this space that we can actually start to create change. And it sounds, sometimes when I say it, I'm like, it sounds kind of esoteric, but it's like, you just create this human connection where it's like, you can tell me what, what's happened in your week. And we're going to, we're going to understand it. We're going to look to uncover it. I say, open the box, take a look inside, see what happened. And, and cause all behavior makes sense. It doesn't mean all behavior is good or helpful, but it makes sense. And so when we start from that perspective that like you're doing the best you can with the tools you have, we might just need to change the tools you have. Um, and some of it, and, and of course, sense of identity and self as well, right? Um, that there, there's a whole other <laughs> rabbit hole to go down too, right? We, we act in congruence with our sense of identity and our sense of identity sometimes doesn't make logical sense because it was maybe imprinted on us at a very early age. Um, but that's why we see behaviors like self-sabotage. Um, we, the, the attempt to change is very often, um, not acting in congruence with our present sense of identity. And so, uh, creating space. An amazing point. Wow. People's yeah. previous history and what they previously perceived of themselves may be keeping them stuck or mm-hmm. in their, in this pattern. Yeah, I always have to talk a lot about themselves. patterns, but yes, their previous, their previous self is not who they are now or who they can yeah. become. Yeah. Makes, makes a lot of sense. Um, would you like to share a little bit about, um, I don't, specific or client or, or even for yourself, yeah. how it's kind of changed for you? Well, what's really neat is, um, you know, I often highlight one of my clients, my favorite client. She's been with me for a couple of years now. Um, her name is Rhonda and she'd be about 61 years old now. And she's and okay she, with you sharing? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. She's featured on my website. Um, okay, great. yeah. Um, she came to me at about 59 and about 50 odd pounds overweight and she's about five feet tall. So, um, that adds a many, lot and shorter. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a lot for her. Many years of failed yo-yo dieting, struggling with weight and so on, really kind of just, I'm getting old and feeling hopeless and being in pain, walking across the room and just, uh, just really, really difficult day-to-day existence. And over the course of about nine months, uh, she lost about 50 pounds and, um, she's now able to walk five miles a day and swim 30 laps at her pool at 61. And just seeing this shift and that's not to say she doesn't have her struggles. She certainly still does. And I think sometimes there's this idea that once the trans, the major you know piece of the transformation is accomplished, that you're now on easy street. I'm like, no, real life doesn't stop. <laughs> like we're still going to, but what it is is she navigates the difficulties of life differently. Um, she doesn't turn to food so much to deal with her stress. There are other ways that she navigates that. And so um, is really, really, you know, that's, that's really gratifying to see. That's why I love what I do is like when I, see, when I see that kind of change being accomplished, it's like, it feels really meaningful and impactful. Um, and I think she's particularly inspiring because, you know, at 60, you'd think like, oh my gosh, I'm over the hill and she's proving that you're not. That's so she, and she's also kind of saying that she didn't give up on, you know, the age of where, where she's at. She kind of, oh, just cause I'm achy or I'm, you know, things yeah. aren't moving the way it is. She chink. She took the initiative to change. That's yeah. That's pretty monumental because I feel like sometimes people do give up. I mean, they give up. You know, they, there's always some sort of excuse of sorts. Um, yeah. And did you find it challenging for not just her or other patients, but to um, help them maintain or be sustainable for or that for? Let me rephrase that. Or for them to understand sustainability. You know, I when I talk about people, it's like yeah. the lifestyle, and I say, no, no, this is a lifestyle conversation, not a not a quick fix. Well, um, I will say that weight maintenance is a challenge. And I say this, I call myself slim, but it's S-L-W-M, a successful long-term weight manager. Um, 
You see, I call fat cells the gift that keeps on giving. Um, once your body <laughs> makes a fat cell, it's always there waiting to be filled. And so if I eat like an undisciplined toddler, um, those fat cells will fill up really fast. Um, that's, that's great biologically speaking because it's a famine uh, security <laughs> mechanism, but we live in a feast world now. And so kind of understanding that we're always going to have to be mindful in one way or another about what we put into our body. Um, like there's not an end point to this can be challenging, but the way that I work with people is we kind of reverse engineer a healthy lifestyle piece by piece, um, kind of habit by habit, behavior by behavior. And so that it's not imposing a whole bunch of rules overnight, but we put one piece in place, make sure it's secure. Then we put the next piece in place, make sure it's secure and so on. And in doing that, it doesn't feel nearly so overwhelming. So by the time we get to the end of, so my pro, I have a program called Lifestyle 180. It's a 180 day program. And that's exactly what we're doing is we're building reverse engineering people's healthy lifestyles piece by piece. And so rather than introducing overwhelming change overnight, we introduce um, subtle changes and, and just keep building on them and building on them. And then there's this um, cumulative effect where um, it's much more likely to stick because we put that time into it. 180 days sounds like a lot, but it sounds like if people it put goes the by fast. In time, it goes it, by fast. It blows my mind how fast it goes because um, it does sound like a lot. But hey, if you want to live 10, 20, 30, 40 more years, like what is six months? It's like it's going to come anyways. And um, well, the, your clients that take that, you know, you try to get them to be serious about what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. You know? It's. And you see, it's not like, like working with a coach isn't actually like this perfect linear journey, you know, where we lose two pounds a week or something like that. It's like, (laughs) there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be good weeks and there's going to be bad weeks. There's going to be weeks where you're on cloud nine and weeks when you're in the pit of despair. Um, It's just, but it's, it's, so I, I like the analogy. um, I call it the tunnel of sewage, actually. Oh gosh. Okay. So (laughs) this is my analogy for a transformation journey. And so what we people would like is, you know, I show up um, and we've got a couple of unicorns and we're going to climb the rainbow bridge into the clouds and we're going to walk across the clouds to this new destination and it's going to be easy and effortless and life's going to be perfect. But in real life, it's not like that. It's messy and it's dirty and it's dark and it's a struggle. And so real transformation is um, you're standing in front of this tunnel and it's filled with waist deep sewage. Um, but you're ready for change. You're mentally in that place where you're like, okay, I'm going to embark on this journey. So you got your hip waders on and you're going to wade through. And the other side of this tunnel is, you know, $10 million. Um, but it's not a straight tunnel. So you can't actually see the end of it. Um, I come along with a couple of kayaks and say, Hey, it looks like you're getting set to go through the tunnel of sewage. Um, I'm going to go with you on this journey. It's going to stink. It's going to be dark. Um, I, I did bring head- headlamps so I can always illuminate our present condition and kind of a little bit ahead, the road ahead. But, um, you got to row your own kayak. Like I can't row it for you. And at the end of it, you know, we disembark and you're on your way and I go on and help the next person. So I'm like a tunnel of sewage tour guide kind of, um, <laughs> yeah. But that's, that's a really great analogy. Um, yeah. have you found, um, people, well, I mean, obviously you have maintenance, but, um, you have uh, an array of clients, but I, I love the way that you they kind of, you're rowing them, you're empowering them, to row their own kayak. They're, they're getting that them is, into the right direction. Cause instead of thinking, super important. Oh, I'm the one that's going to do it for you. No. <laughs> yeah. And it's really, so very often people are overwhelmed by the time they come to me and just tell me what to do and I'll do it. That's the overwhelmed response. That's very disempowering. 
So rather than that, what I do is I say like, I'm your tour guide. I'm not your Sherpa. In other words, I'm not carrying your backpack for you because I can't. And that would be that, that disrespects your autonomy and individuality. So instead I say, let's pick this one principle and here's, here's a starting point for you. I want you to try to implement this into your life, but over the, over the next two weeks, as we try to build this into your life, you're going to shape this to suit how it works for you. Because like the fundamental principles of being healthy are not, not overly complex, right? It's, you know, quality nutrition, quality sleep, stress management, regular activity, um, hydration. But how do we, how do we take that principle and shape it in such a way that it works for you and your individual life? So when I work with somebody, I say it's like two experts collaborating. So I'm not a dictator. I'm an expert in nutrition and psychology, but you're an expert in your life and your own life experience. We need both sets of expertise to successfully accomplish this transformation. And so um, I'm going to definitely empower people to have an active hand in the transformation because when I when we're finished working together, I don't want them to collapse because I was the one holding them up. I want them to stand on their own two feet and feel strong and empowered. And so I like to say that I my hope is to create um, referral business, not repeat business. <laughs> I want to do such a good job working with people that you can't help but tell other people about it. Word of mouth is, is monumental. And then that authenticity of yourself. I mean, I can just see it when we spoke even before the conversation, who you are and, and trying to make a difference. You're trying to make a difference for your clients, for yourself. And without having it to just be like, okay, you're referring me because I'm doing the job that you need and I'm helping you get to the goals or to the, you know, to the, not necessarily yeah. destination, but to one part of the equation, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah. So this is an amazing conversation and I appreciate, you know, you being on, do you have anything that you would like to share, um, addition about what you're doing and how people can reach you or just a, a, a little, um, initial mindful tip, and then we can share how they can reach you. Yeah. And so, my mindful tip would be um, change starts with compassionate awareness. What I mean by that is because you might have heard the phrase awareness is the first step to change. That's only partially true. Sometimes when we become aware of our unhelpful behaviors, we start to judge ourselves and we start to treat ourselves worse and we start to retreat and try to bury our head in the sand. So when we include the compassion piece, we're now able to see ourselves as we are in a present condition um, and not use that as ammunition to beat ourselves up. So, but if we want to change, we have to become, a lot of our behaviors are, are automatic and they're habitual and they're driven by something other than our conscious awareness. And so if we can, let's say, for example, I'll have people make a photo food, food journal. And the act of taking a photo of your food means you're now going to eat that food with more conscious awareness than you were before. So now you're going to eat a little bit more mindfully. So that's why I say it's the, the compassionate awareness is the most powerful step in, in creating change. I, I love that. I, I think that people don't have enough compassion in general and then compassion yeah. awareness in a many other aspects. So that, that's really beautiful. Thanks for sharing that. Um, in addition, how can we reach you, Jonathan? How can we yeah. touch base with you? Because I know you have a number of businesses and you're a busy dad, but I want those <laughs> yeah. to listening and watching to be able to connect with you. Yeah. Um, freedomnutritioncoach.com is my website. Um, 
I also have a podcast called Wellness Unplugged, and I like to call it um, Between the Before and After. So maybe it's a, it's really a conversation with people who've overcome something, but we want to talk about, because in social media, we just see the glamour, like the before and the after photo. We don't see, we don't really dive into the journey in between. And that's kind of the things that I want to talk about to help people understand that it's normal to struggle um, and what, what um, overcoming actually looks like versus the highlight reel that social media shows us. Um and then maybe I could offer people a resource. Um, I have one called Crush Your Cravings. And it's really to help people with things like emotional eating and boredom eating and whatnot. And so they can go to um, freedomnutrition.rocks slash crush your cravings. Love it. I can't wait. I'll have them in all the information in the show notes for those that are listening and watching. And I really appreciate you being on today. And thank you for your time and your effort. Hey, thank you so much for having me. And thank you for the work that you do as well. Oh, I really appreciate your time. So those listening, um, thanks for joining in. And as I say, each one of you, make sure that you find a mindful way each and every day and have a little compassion awareness today and give yourself a little breath, you know, a little minute. Um, so thanks again. And you guys have a wonderful day. Bye. Thanks for listening to Mindfully Integrative with Dr. Damaris G. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode. If you enjoyed our show, support us by leaving a mindful review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite streaming site. If you would like to be a guest of our show or interview, email us at info at damarismaria.com. If you want to learn more about the resources mentioned in the podcast, you can find those in the show notes. To connect mindfully with Dr. Damaris G., reach her at www.damarismaria.com or connect via social media links. We appreciate your time connecting here with us. May your strength and peace within bring you more balance every day. Namaste.